Hello and welcome to episode 370 of the Awesome Comics Podcast, the place where a small press makes one hell of a big noise. I'm Vince Hunt and joining me as always is the creator of the webcomic vanguard, Dan Butcher. Hello. The man who this week is, he's really, he's changed his life. Um, because he's Finally, I've admitted myself to you. He's, I mean, he, like me, has an enormous head. I do. I do have a massive melon of a head. Mm. It's weird, actually, because I have to say, we managed to last less than two seconds then, didn't mm. we? Yeah. We, we oh, t- I way, said, let's Tony leave Esmond. the camera. Hello. Said, let's leave the cameras on while we do the introduction. And we literally lasted less than two seconds. Yeah, it turned it off. Yeah. That yeah. was good. I was yeah. quite a record Cause there. Because it's, it's like herding cats or chasing monkeys. <laughs> Don't do that to cats. You can't, you can't tell them to do anything. I should know. <laughs> we can tell them. I do, do, I do know. Like women? Um, we Is are... the thing a sexist would say? <laughs> <laughs> what, that sound you hear is me and Dan physically getting further away from Tony Esmond. Before That's he the sort of thing a sexist would say. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him trigger you, folks. Welcome to the show. This week we're going to be talking about a lot of different comic stuff. We're going to get straight. We've got an interview for you, a great interview in, it, in a moment. Um, just a pre-warning, there's some comic news that has come out, oh, yeah. um, and we, we're going to talk about a bit about that afterwards. Um, we may get a bit... Um, emo- uh, not emotional. What's the, we what's might the term? Do. Well, we probably will your get wallet, Your wallet's crying. Yeah. 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 So we'll get into that um, soon. Um, but before that, the thing that we should get into... What should we, what's the next thing we should get into? What we should get into and what the the listeners should get into is rollerblading. Ah, oh, oh. Comic House. Oh, of course, they're are lovely and rollerblading. Mm. But if you can't rollerblade, then you should read comics on Comic House. Comic House isn't even if you market. can. Well, you don't encourage people to rollerblade and read comics at the same time, Tony. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Safety first. Nothing more fun than safe fun. Comic House is an indie comic marketplace with a difference. <laughs> if you go to comichouse.com, you see there's a whole huge selection of titles on our database. If you self-publish yourself, then you can list your book on there. It's another avenue to start selling your wares and getting your titles out to a whole new sort of audience. Um, and speaking of audiences, more and more people are reading digital comics these days, and Comic House has an amazing app. It's basically a subscription service like Netflix. Save a few quid. Save quite a few quid because for only three pounds a month you get access to an enormous library of digital indie comics which is growing all the time mm. uh what stuff is on there at the moment dan well i'm going to highlight uh, comics by al henderson uh hey. penguin we've got a whole slew of titles available on comic house including our friends arachnid penguins volume one penguins burnout penguins coincidence penguins don't judge me penguins ice house penguins master of nine penguin tension and Penguin the Big Blue, Penguin the Sunday Postings, Penguin to Coldly Go, Penguin Vision, Penguin We Have Raiders. You don't have one. to Penguin the, it. Yeah, he there's... doesn't have to say it, but I, there's something I love about yeah. this. So, uh, if you want Penguins, uh, you can either go to Comic House or uh, listen later on in the shoutouts where there's some more Penguin news heading your way. Yeah. So, uh, this and a slew of other titles are all available on Comic House. Sloop. And... <laughs> Al Dan has never said your book's title, title so many times in all his life. No, no, no. But no. worth it. And you should yeah. find out why it's worth it by going on the Comic House and reading it all now. If you're a creator as well, you can also add profile pictures and social media links so if people read your book or discover something new on there, they'll know where to find more of your work. And it just. The, the small press and indie comic uh, industry 
should support yourself like this. Pay it forward, as it were. So to find out more, start, start your 14-day free trial and dive headfirst into the world that we talk about every week. Go to comichouse.com. That's pretty go. slick, guys. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty slick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, How the, How's the Lionesses getting on? Do we know? Look, let, uh, let's not date this show. Okay. Um, heaven forbid. Heaven forbid that. <laughs> heaven forbid we, we talk about a bit of comic news yeah. uh, after this, which will date this show. Uh, yeah. But before this, before we get into a round, we're, you know, we're, we're in a good mood. We're going to talk about comics, and we're going to talk. Have you ever heard of the Boston Metaphysical Society? Sounds good. It does sound good. I've read quite a lot of it today, <laughs> and so have I. So have I. So um, here is an interview with its creator of the. And it's not just comics; it's a whole world. And we've had a chance to talk to Madeline Holly Rosing. This week's guest is the writer-creator of the steampunk supernatural graphic novel prose and audio drama series Boston Metaphysical Society. Originally published, uh, originally self-published, Source Point Press. Uh, republished the first six issues and in a trade paperback of Boston Physical Society and has picked up the four sequels. She also wrapped up 10 successful crowdfunding campaigns and published the book Kickstarter for the Independent Creator. Winner of a slew of creative awards and accolades, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Madeline Holly Rosing. Welcome to the show. Great. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That yeah, it's great to have you here, mate. An epic, epic that is, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> That's like an empire, isn't it, you built? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to pick your brains about the Kickstarter for the Independent Creator book. Cause that's... Sure, sure. I, it, it, it's probably due for an update. The last time I updated that book, I think it was 2020. Okay. And, and every year, you know, there's there's little changes within kicks, you know, Kickstarter, the, the platform itself, mm. and um, uh, it, it generally, you know, crowdfunding and also well, last year i did two crowdfunding campaigns one for was it last year i'm sorry i through the pandemic the years kind of blew yeah, oh, they just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um we did uh, book of demons which was our last standalone sequel and then we did one for the audio drama uh the ghost ship and the, it was just interesting the dynamics between the two uh, we're very 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 different and so did you want to tell us a little bit about uh, Boston Metaphysical Society? Sure. Yeah, sure. the origins are really interesting. I know you yeah. sort of, we accidentally had a conversation, which we said we'd save <laughs> for, uh, for the interview, didn't we, about how it started? Because um, you're you're out near Hollywood, aren't you? It's kind of almost an origin for it, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, for those of your audience who know nothing about Boston Metaphysical Society, it's about an ex-Pinkerton detective, a spirit photographer, and a genius scientist who battles supernatural forces in late 1800s Boston. Uh, we started with a six issue miniseries, which then went to trade paperback and we have four standalone sequels out right now. And I'm currently working on the next, uh, will be a four issue series. I'm moving away from the standalones and going back to, to a, a like mini series. Okay. okay. But, but to get back to your question, uh, Boston Metaphysical originated as a TV pilot I wrote while I was the UCLA MFA program in screenwriting. And um, it did well in competitions and people liked it. But that was a long time ago before steampunk really hit mainstream. Hmm. Okay. And <laughs> 
So uh, it was suggested to me that I adapt it into a graphic novel, then resell it back to Hollywood because no one actually wants to read, but pretty pictures are fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and well, a funny thing happened in, in this journey. Uh, I discovered one, I really liked writing comics. Hmm. Uh, two, I was good at it. And three, and more importantly, I really love the independent comic creator community. Yeah. Um, it's been just a terrific journey to be here. And uh, Dan is actually one of you might we started out as a web comic before we went to print. And I think Dan was one of my early Twitter followers. And of course, I followed him back and was reading his stuff. And he, he graciously did some fan art for me years and years ago. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we can underestimate the moment that we've just witnessed. <laughs> where, which at one, we were about to start, and you said, "No, hold on, we have to say hello to Dan first because you've been you've been friends for over a decade now." At this yeah. point, yeah, correct, correct. Yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't really kind of dawn on me, Madeline, until you kind of brought it up, and I was like, oh, "God, yeah, of course." Yeah, it's part yeah, of the, it was, like the whole uh, web comic creators, like in creators online and small press, doing fan arts and bits and bobs for each other and helping each other out is the the strength of the community and um absolutely and uh you know because i know we would retreat each other and, and and chat every once in a while on twitter um but you know even more so is that community transform you know transferred also into crowdfunding because mm. those were the really early days of crowdfunding because because what yeah. um kickstarter started what in 2011 2012 yeah, something like that yeah yeah and i ran my first campaign in 2013 which failed horribly by the way like most campaigns oh, no. okay um uh but then the next 11 were successful um the next 11 that's an yeah. unbelievable <laughs> crushed <number>. it yeah. <laughs> well, can you look back now and then identify the reason why that first one didn't didn't do it Oh yeah, no, we, and when I say we, um, I'm talking about my husband because quite frankly, he has to deal with me whenever I run a crowdfunding campaign. So <laughs> it's a we, and he's, uh, he now helps with fulfillment. Um, prior to Book of Demons, Book of Demons was our biggest Kickstarter, was almost a thousand backers. Wow. And uh, at that point, he just kind of looked at the numbers and said, uh, you're going to need help. <laughs> because <laughs> usually I would ship them all out myself because, you know, I could do, you know, three to 400 myself within a couple of weeks and it was out mm, the door. Yeah. I mean, but we were talking about like close to 700 packages. And so, yeah, he dived in. And this is and worldwide now, as well, I'm guessing. Oh yes, it is definitely worldwide. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, he's also raised the bar in the packaging department because mine was okay, but his is superlative. So now all <laughs> the backers expect their packages to be in this perfect, pristine order. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So now I can't go back. Victim <laughs> <laughs> of perfection. I know. I know. <laughs> Madeline, you've actually gone full time with creating uh, your your creative works, as it were. Yes. Uh, how how long have you been doing for? What what and what was that like? Uh. Well, let's see. I well, we have been self sustaining for about five to six years. Okay. Oh, wow. And which which I realized later on that 
for an indie comic, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, um, definitely, especially these days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I started really doing this full time probably about right before the pandemic. Um, uh, about a year or two, I I had had shoulder replacement surgery, and uh, which went really well, by the way. Good, good to know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You got lots of um, you got lots of books to put in bags, so I needed to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I hope it wasn't a related injury. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. It was no not related at all. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Uh, that 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 comes from a different life. Um, oh, okay. But uh, yeah, so it was about four four years ago that I started doing this full time I had been working part time up until that point, and hmm. then. With the soldier, shoulder surgery, it made sense to leave that job because I was working as a, a fitness instructor and couldn't really do that with, with the shoulder at the time. And so it seemed like a, a good time to segue into into doing this full time because it had it, it just grown. Uh, it had grown so much. Yeah. Uh, so can, was it kind of difficult? Because essentially when you're running what you're, you enjoy doing as a business, I can imagine it becomes quite tricky to not only kind of manage the ups and downs and the ins and outs of the business, but also change yourself into the creator and like, right, I've got to write this now. I've got to get this done. Is that, is that, is that troublesome? Yes, absolutely. Uh, time, time management is a thing. Um, I have yet to really master. I think, Mm. uh, I mean, at this point I need help, uh, administrative help just because I do about, well, pre-pandemic i was doing about nine cons a year so you know but you're talking and this is the different states so we're talking about travel and taxes and gas and shipping and all of the logistics plus getting books in getting books out uh fulfilling kickstarters yeah and then trying to fit in the creative in in between everything and so what's I've basically done is I do everything in little bits and I just start, I chip it away. It's like, okay, I'm going to spend an hour just on admin stuff and then I'm going to be done and mm. then I'll work on creative stuff for a while. And then, you know, then I got to go walk the dogs and then <laughs> yeah, I can, it all kind of ticks up. Uh, I, I can, yeah, totally understand where you come from on that front. Yeah. But, but it, it seems to be working. I'm, I'm always amazed when I get things done, but I, that's what I do. I just kind of chip away at everything and it manages to get done. Bringing it back to uh, Boston Metaphysical Society. Yes. Uh, I always got to kind of focus for that title. It's, it's set in the late, in, uh, late 1800s. Correct. Is it a challenge not to kind of, when you, you're going back and you're writing about a period, the amount of research uh you've got to look into not only you've kind of uh i guess you can the design stuff you can throw at the artist but you must have some input in that but like the 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 attitudes of the day uh what was going on etc is that is that troublesome it's it's quite a busy period of history i know it's a weird thing to say but you know you've got jack the ripper and you've got all these sort of characters you know going on all around that yes. time haven't you you know <laughs> well that's actually one of the reasons i chose that time period is because essentially well in in the western world um it was a huge time period of cultural technological and cultural change yeah and for a writer 
that gives us a huge opportunity for organic conflict. And yeah. and also the science at the time, even though I do throw in some more sci-fi elements because, you know, steampunk, sci-fi, got to have that because it's fun. Um, the science was essentially analog. So visually, it's easier to explain to an audience, which which makes that nice. Yeah. Um, um, I also had the advantage that while I was at UCLA, I wrote a script called Stargazer which was a, a, a biopic about um, a Scottish-American woman who arrived in this country pregnant, penniless, and abandoned by her husband, who became a maid in the house of the director of the Harvard Observatory. And while she was there, he noticed her attention to detail and brought her on as what, what became known as one of his female computers. Her name was um, uh, Mina Fleming. Okay. And I did, it was for a fellowship program called the Sloan Fellowship that we have here in the United States that uh, gives fellowships to scripts and films that depict science and scientists accurately or engineers. Okay. You know, they're not, they're not stereotypes or, you know, yeah. you're, you know, mad scientist or something. And the science hmm. has to be correct. Because uh, I did have, well, not only has my husband is kind of my unofficial advisor because he's a rocket scientist at JPL, that's Jet Propulsion Labs. Um, right. Okay. Wow. Uh, but I also had an astronomer from JPL as well, a female astronomer uh, who read the script and gave me notes. Uh, so I did an extensive amount of research around that time period prior to even developing Boston Metaphysical Society. So it for me it was it, it's it's I I've already immersed myself in in this time period for mm. so long that um there'll be little things I'll I'll want to go look up or double check or something but um pretty much I know the history already. So I I do have that advantage. Because people do obsess over characters. I know you use Houdini, for example. He's a much discussed. It seems to be recently. He seems to be more and more discussed, doesn't he? You know. Yeah, um, Houdini, and of course Tesla. Yeah, very much and, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I have all those guys, and and you know, and Bell, and yeah, uh, uh, Edison, of course, Edison. Yes, yeah. thank you. Um, and you know, I do have to remind people. You know, this is fiction. What I'm writing is yeah. complete fiction. Yeah. yeah. It's but kind of an I, alternative, alternate history, isn't it? Yes, it's an alter, alternate history. Yeah. But what I do try to do is keep um, thematically the relationships accurate. Uh, okay. For instance, mm. Tesla and Edison are not friends. Yeah. You know, mm. none of these guys are friends. And what I did was set them up that there was a greater evil that they had to overlook the fact that they don't like each other to try to find the solution to you know the shifter yeah um in the, in the make for yeah. more interesting uh dynamics between characters if all the characters like each other and there's no issue it's kind of okay friend. there's got to be <laughs> yeah. some kind of conflict i think in a way you've got to almost create a family environment where let's face it in families that don't always get on do they no you know Correct. and this sort yeah. of the the um the arguing and all this sort of the jealousy and all this you know the points to prove goes on that that makes it for an interesting drama i think mm. at the time you know yeah yeah. And 
Well, we, we keep Tesla until Scourge of the Mechanical Men, which is the first sequel, uh, where I just focus on Granville T. Woods. And, and if you don't know this, Granville T. Woods is a historical figure as well. Right. Um, African-American scientist who kind of got lost in history. And uh, in, in my research, I, I found him and he was originally from Ohio but I brought him to Boston because I'm the writer. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and made him part of the team. So uh, it's, it's That's been great. It's been really, that is one of the things you do notice is your representation of different, you know, groups and people and races and stuff. You do, you do do that. And that's a great thing. It's very noticeable. You know? Yeah. Um, well, it's one of those things where Boston metaphysical is steeped in American history. Hmm. And American history can't exi- doesn't exist without women and people of color. Um, hmm. Though you know there are some people who would like to believe otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it you know we were an integral part of the development of this nation, hmm. and uh, and then in the spirit of rebellion, which is the second. Um, the second uh, standalone sequel, which focuses on Caitlin, our medium and spirit photographer, I did have to do more research on that because that's set in Philadelphia. And it was interesting to find out that uh, Philadelphia was a, uh, a a major place that, you know, right after the Civil War, uh, people from uh, African-Americans from the South and also uh, people from Europe immigrated to. And so it was really interesting for me to discover in my research, you know, how many, like, say, Hungarian Jews were actually in Philadelphia at the time period and how many African-Americans. And so, you know, that's why I brought in some of the, you know, the characters were Hungarian Jews, because guess what? They were yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Has that been one of, like, the real surprising side effects is the wrong word, but, like... The, the, the longer the series goes and the more you research, the more you discover about your country and the history and, and, and you've, you're discovering lots of things that you never even knew before and all the stuff that slips through the cracks as it always does in, in sort of history. Some people just get lost yeah. to time, don't they? You're and like the indigenous yeah. people. They're very much so like that, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, I, like that, I, that was definitely uh, a surprise. I had, I had no idea. Hmm. And and even honing it down to okay, during that time period, where were the boarding houses? Because particularly during those time periods, boarding houses, different types of neighborhoods were were very distinct from other sections of neighborhoods. Like you, this would be your boarding house neighborhood and your other neighborhood. So um, the boarding house where Samuel and Caitlin stayed um, was a street where boarding houses were very popular back then. Um, so, and, and most people won't knew that, know that, but if they do, they'll, if they look carefully, they'll see the name of the street. And if they look it up, we'll go like, oh yeah, there are a bunch of boarding houses on that street back in 1896. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I like to do a lot of that stuff because that's, to me, that's just fun. I mean, when you were sort of, this was forming in your mind, were you re- were you reading any comics that in, perhaps inspired it? Because there's an easy parallel with the, with the sort of Hellboy universe and stuff like that. You know, it's the same sort of coolness, if you see what I mean. Um, well, I know Boston Metaphysical, uh, you know, shares some things thematically, say, for like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, 
That's a good one. Um, it yeah. definitely has that feel. Mm. Um, I, I will have to say, uh, I, I, I've admitted this freely in the past, <laughs> I came to comics very late. Right. And very late. We, we'll allow it, Madeline. That's fine. <laughs> I think you've earned your stripes. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I've, been, yeah. I mean, I've been here for 10 years now. Exactly, yeah. Well, was, there any, was there any comics you had a look at just to see, well, I'm, I want to do this, you know, where should I look? What, who's doing a... Because I know the way you run it, you almost run it in the way what we call the Hellboy model of, you know, stories that become almost like mini series, then move on to the next story, you know. It's like cases. In- yeah, yeah. Like cases, that. Yeah. 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 Well, well, in TV land, we would call that episodes. Yeah. Okay. Episodic. Yeah. It, episodic. It's episodic. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my structure does tend to be episodic uh, with okay. over overarching themes going on. But also with the webcomic format as well is the way it started, isn't it? You know. Yes. Um, which is a, is a, almost a different dynamic, isn't it? Are you finding there's two two different dynamics: the the trade paperback compared to the, you know, the the single page webcomic stuff. Or. Well, definitely, but I actually haven't. I have not put any of the sequels up online, right. and, yeah. and nor do I intend to. Mm, okay. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, like yeah. the first kind of miniseries is a good intro yeah. into it and like when you're on board and you're hooked you, you build up the audience and if they want to continue reading the adventures yeah <clears throat> yeah that's a good idea terms. that's what i did because when dan suggested you come on i went straight to your website and i read it and i sort of roared through it and then yeah. it, it makes you hungry for the trade paperbacks that mm. i'm getting doesn't it you know yeah and um because what i do with the trades is i also add a a bonus story that you won't get anywhere else oh pretty okay. Yeah. yeah, you'll never you'll never see it anywhere else but in the trade. Uh, same thing with volume two that is sitting out in the port of Los Angeles waiting to get offloaded right now. Uh, <laughs> um, that compiles all four sequels and that has a, a bonus story with art by Roberta Ingranada, who's doing Doctor Who right now. Ah, fantastic. Oh, oh, wow. For Titan or? Uh, yes, for Titan. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah. Was it reading there's yeah. problems at the port that have been trying to get There's loads of to loads of ships yeah. yeah they can't get people yeah. in you know i've seen yeah, it on the news here actually yeah it's it's better than it was but i'm expecting i guess it arrived on july 21st and uh i was told it's still still on the ship i'm expecting wow. a few weeks but but i built that into you know my delivery time yeah. i knew that was gonna happen and I think so with it, backers, as long as you're kind of up front with them, and say, you let them know. this yeah. is what's happening. That's fine. It's when it's when you go dark that everyone's like, oh, God, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. so you say, look, here's the problem. Here's why it's not turned <laughs> up. They're, 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 they're usually fine. Hmm. Yeah, I think just the, the updates, that's what we want, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did, when it's post Kickstarter, I try to do one like every two weeks. Hmm. And because usually I have something else going on, too, that I want them to know about. Yeah. And and so, yeah, last friday i i did one that that said just that like it's on the ship the container's on the ship waiting for to offload it you know i've heard it's taken about a couple weeks plus three to four days to go through customs so i'm hoping you know cross your fingers mid-august mm. and i'll keep everybody posted and they know i will so I, yeah i like to think that hopefully you know over the past couple of years obviously with the pandemic and everything and the knock-on effects that, that had to a lot of delivery times for a lot of things i i would like to think that people that pledge on Kickstarter won't complain as long as someone communicates unduly, with them, unduly yeah. complain. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're bound to probably get a couple 
I always think I'd do the six month thing. If it's if it's six months late, then I get the hump. That's when it. Yeah, you know, fair. Think, Come on, you know it's a bit like that. I'd, yeah, I like yeah. it as a little gift, and it turns up. Yeah, oh, it's this. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, you've got that. You booked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. get that double hit of sort of buying something and then it turning up later, which yeah. is you wonder why you got no money and then ten. That's why I order things yeah. when I'm drunk. When I order things off Amazon, <laughs> when I'm drunk. That's Honestly, I did check uh, my my bank account. I like, get my Kickstarter stuff out of, and I was like, "Where did all this bloody money go?" And I checked the statement. It was like Kickstarter, Kickstarter, Kickstarter. Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I, I have to ask my accountant if uh, my Kickstarter pledges are are deductible or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good shout. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've, yeah. Uh, I've had some conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of the art, the artists you, you've you've had, how do you go about finding them? And have you had any sort of um, lucky finds or people who come to your table at conventions and stuff like that, Madeline? Or um, well, both Emily Hugh and Gwen Tavares, I consider both to be lucky finds. Right. Um, Emily, for the first six issues, I had been looking for probably close to a year. Okay. For an artist, had one on board, went away, another one went away. Um, and then uh, a mutual friend introduced us and she had just uh, graduated from art school. And so I talked to her and I hired her to do two audition pages okay. and she knocked them out of the park. So I said, "Would you know, you want to come on board for the six issue miniseries? She said, yes. So got her under contract and God bless her, you know, five years later we finished this puppy um <laughs> and then she she moved on to bigger and better i i think she's doing uh storyboards for like warner brothers and nickelodeon and, and okay stuff like that oh, nice. yeah um, I think it's a shame we lost you. her from comics though to be fair yeah i think she she left i don't yeah i i think she's happy being where she is right now yeah. and yeah and i but think that, she does some stuff on her own but that's yeah. good yeah. yeah, I think the and, important thing is well, you, so you hired her for the audition pages, so she got paid. For oh, it. I paid her for that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's I think fair. that's yeah. I think that's an important thing to point out as well for all you people out there <laughs> who are making it. You know, people are going to put a lot of work into these sort of things, yeah. aren't they? Especially like yeah. a comic page. So just bear that in mind when you're looking for your yeah. artists, etc. Are you very much an upfront pay? You know, you you don't wait for the. The money to land or how do you how do you tend to work it Madeline? oh um i usually pay uh half up front for, okay. for a single issue and then half upon completion good idea and yeah i, I do so, something like that sometimes yeah just because i know people have to pay their rent and eat yeah yeah and and i do i know some people pay like per page and that's fine i'm not going to argue with, i mean everyone has a different budget and everyone has to handle it um, I think but, it can be a mistake just giving everything up front. I think yeah. it's, it's a, a non-motivating, yeah, non-motivating factor, isn't it? That I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think I think what you're doing there is ideal. Yeah, I've, I've certainly done it that way before. Don't pay my yeah. artist; he's a mug. <laughs> <laughs> all that all that work that your artist puts in, Dan. Come on. Yeah. Slack. <laughs> what then, a slacker. <laughs> <laughs> and then so, when I was really lucky because uh, I put word out that I was looking for a new artist and a friend of mine stopped by my table at a, a small steampunk convention up north and he said, have, have you heard of Gwen Tavares? And I said, no. And he says, well, she did this little steampunk thing for us a while ago, go check her out. I said, fine. So apparently he contacted her and within three days she had contacted me and I said, you know, send me your portfolio. When everything did the same thing, did, you know, character sketches, paid her for it. And I said, this is great. Let's go. 
And so she's the one who did the um, the four one shots. Uh, okay. yeah. Scourge of the Mechanical Man, Spirit of Rebellion, Ghosts and Demons, and Book of Demons. Um, and uh, it has not been formally announced yet, but I actually do have a new artist on board uh, okay. for the next oh. series, which nice. I will announce who that is a little later once I get some pages in. Um, not because Gwen and I hate each other or anything. <laughs> I adore Gwen. Uh, we work together. It's a big fallout. Tell us now. Tell us now. <laughs> <laughs> the woman has two children under the age of three. Oh, just, God. Yeah. Okay, just okay. lazy. And, you know what I mean? Just lazy. <laughs> she, and also, because of doing Boston Metaphysical, she has more work. She could work eight hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. So she has, she just can't handle the work anymore. So it, it was a good time for us to, to part ways. And um, I'm sure if I ever need a pinup or something from her, I'll just say, hey, Gwen, you have some time. You know, it would not be an issue. Mm. Um, I cannot yeah, you've got say, to stay on good terms with people like that, haven't you? I think that's Oh, that's yeah, great. I can't. Yeah. I, both Emily and Gwen were absolutely fabulous. Mm. And uh, and obviously, I I wish them all the very best and great artist too considering like we're talking about like a like a period piece here that that like whenever dealing with especially with steampunk as well you've got mm. history you've got the victorian times plus but on top of that the supernatural aspect i mean the, the kind of details that we're going to this thing is enough to bring me out, out in another sweat <laughs> I, I just just thinking about all the artwork that these guys have doing it's it's amazing stuff that they do in these books well a- absolutely and and I give my artists reference materials. I mean, I gather up images of, you know, bags and dresses and, you know, all that thing and send it to them. But Gwen, she is just, well, I guess the, the most polite word is so anal about these things <laughs> that she she went and uh, did research on socks and shoes. So she got the socks and shoes huh. correct for the time period. She did that on her own and and I always tell my artists, I say, hey, if you need help with research, you need anything, let me know. You know, I'll I'm more than willing to help you out because I may already have something here. Gotcha. You know, that, that mm. they can use. Do you have files and files of um is it all uh, digital your research or do you have like folders filled with what weird and old school cuttings and stuff like that yeah yeah um it's all mostly digital because it just makes it easier to send on to artists yeah Yeah. i suppose you don't have enough space in your house with all these books that you're um you'll successfully have to send out (laughs) (laughs) well do you do you live in like a kind of um steampunk house do you have like a telescope sticking out the roof and stuff like that that's kind of how i see it yeah that'd be cool what no uh we live in a very small house that I like to describe happens. It's storage that happens to have beds in it. <laughs> I once, I once made a chair out of comics once. That was funny. Yeah. yeah. And if you guys, before we tur- turned off the cameras, you probably saw behind me. Yeah. The yeah. Shelving. So my office is part, my office, part fulfillment center, part spin room, part library, there's yeah and and i'm sure there's a lot of creators who have done successful kickstarts that know exactly what you're talking about because oh yeah yeah Mm. houses have to be turned into like 
just warehouses, you know, fulfillment oh, yeah. warehouses. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, You've got to so be tidy and organized and have that, that line of, right, this goes in a bag and now it yeah. goes in an envelope. And, that, you know, it's like that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I know so, I know some people that have um, then, they've had to sort of rent out, you know, you get those um, storage units. Yes. Storage units. Just to yeah. boxes out. So you haven't got to that <laughs> point yet where you've got a storage unit filled with Boston Metaphysical yet and you haven't got to that stage yet. Yeah. You don't need to. Yeah, don't, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, fortunately, so, my husband is really good at storing and shifting stuff around and in the most efficient way possible. Um, good man. Yeah. Uh, and he's a keeper um, then, Madeline. Yeah. I think you should keep hold of him. He's a good man. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been doing the the con scene with uh, Boston Metaphysical mm. uh, for for a while. Like you must be like uh, an actual expert at kind of. Uh, the pros and cons of of doing a good con. I mean, recently it was at San Diego Correct. Comic Con. Yeah, how, how was that generally? Uh, generally, it was fine. It was uh, slower than most years. Okay. Um, not as many people showed up. Uh, I think you know, with the COVID, some people are just probably some people were sick and they couldn't come. Yeah. Because uh, because Omicron. I mean, we had Omicron. Uh, ourselves, we got it at, at Denver at a Fan Expo Denver, and got over it in time to go to San Diego. Oh, I got I got COVID at Heroes in North Carolina. Oh, I um, heard a lot a of people got it there. Yeah, about a month and a half ago. That's where I got my one from. Yeah. Yeah, I heard it was bad there actually. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I don't mind. I, I, I got it. I got it on the day I travelled home. I think so. It didn't ruin the holiday. So it wasn't too bad. Yeah. yeah, you still have plenty of stuff to read, didn't you, Tony? When you got home, so it's sort yeah, it's fine. Yeah, out when I was rest, really, yeah. sitting there with COVID, I had loads of comics to read. So it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we table we tabled at that one and had an absolute blast. Have you done Heroes before, Madeline? Or? I have not. Right. Um, on the on the East Coast, I've only done New York and Boston. Okay. Cool. What do you find are the better ones for you then, from a a sales networking point of view? Either really. Uh, New York was awesome. Okay. New York yeah. was amazing. Um, I also love San Diego, even though it wasn't as well attended uh, as it was in 2019. We still actually almost did as well, so oh, I'm wow. not com- I'm not complaining. But we could really tell the difference because we stay in it's called Mission Valley, and we take the trolley in to downtown right. uh, during the con. And normally, that train is packed hmm. to the gills. Yeah, and we had no trouble finding seats. Right. Okay. Right, okay. It's an early sign. Get a bit yeah. of heads up. What it was yeah. going to play out. When, like. you, when you do New York, do you do Artist Alley or do you do the main con floor or whereabouts are you? Well, I've only done Artist Alley one, uh, New York once, and it was Artist Alley. Okay, so the downstairs bit. I think I'm guessing yes. when you were there was it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun. Um, when I did it last year, I was so lucky because well, two of my voice actors showed up uh yeah to help out because awesome yeah well emily who plays caitlin uh stayed in character all day (laughs) wow god and she i mean i go to the bathroom and come back and there'd be cash on the table i mean as far as i'm concerned if you need help at a con hire an actor because they're (laughs) trainable they'll they'll learn the pitch instantly desperate for work (laughs) and um you can you know you can tweak them you can direct them 
as you know like okay let's do things in a different order and this is and you explain why and you know from the sales point of view and they go like oh okay and they go do it you know it's just it's wonderful anyway she was hysterical because she'd be yelling at people in an irish accent and they'd be laughing their asses off Right. And and you could never do that, you know, if you're talking like me, yelling at them, they, they'd take offense. But here's this <laughs> woman dressed in character and, you know, doing her thing. And they just they thought it was hysterical. Oh. <laughs> but that's pretty then, like, I mean, that that takes the whole um, like having your character <laughs> at your table. It takes it to the next level, isn't it? Because that's <laughs> yeah. And um, the gentleman who played Edison uh, came the next day. And he just literally charmed the pants off of people. He was just, he was amazing. And if you've listened to the audio drama, he is so good. And I found out later that this, uh, the ghost ship was his first um, voiceover credit. Oh, nice. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because we yeah. haven't talked about that. So how did that come about? <laughs> well, I blame it all on Eddie Louise. And <sighs> Eddie Louise is the... Um, co-creator with her husband Chip Michael of another audio drama a steampunk audio drama called Stage and Savant and it was on for four years it's absolutely fabulous it's so much fun Um, if you want to go listen to that it's still up on all major platforms and I, I had actually talked to someone else a few years earlier who said that I should do one but I didn't know where to start so Eddie uh Basically, we were hanging out at the Nebula conference. This is all pre-pandemic. And she said, uh, I really think you need to turn this into audio drama. And I said, well, I, I, I think you're right. I just don't know where to start. And only if you and Chip help me. So during the pandemic, since I couldn't do any cons, I thought, okay, I need to pivot the business a little bit here. And I was fortunate enough to get a, um, a Cal grant for for women, women in business. So that provided the seed money so I could at least pay my actors nice. and my script editor. So I told him, I said, okay, I have the seed money. Let's, let's go do this. And so she and her husband um, were my production team. She's uh, officially my script editor, though she's my mentor and all other good things. Uh, Chip really had a heavy load. He was the audio engineer, director, and the composer and so i produced and of course handled the the casting the contracts you know whoever tells you producing is glamorous has no idea what they're talking about because (laughs) really just about it's uh essentially office management and scheduling Mm. and making sure everybody is where they're at and they you know they get their contracts and they get signed and they get paid and all that other stuff besides writing the thing um, and we narrowed it down and got a fabulous group of actors who just knocked it out of the park, uh, and, I, and did it. I started listening to the first episode. It's really well produced. It's really well oh, done. Cool. I've got, I've got this lined up. I, I, you know, I've, I've been this listening is up your to street, it. Being it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I love a bit of audio drama, like some, especially this sort of stuff as well with the supernatural, yeah. et cetera. So I've, got, <laughs> I've, I've just added this immediately. We've, 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 we're finding that it's an up-and-coming thing, the audio drama. Um, mm. If you look at um, 2000 AD, which is, is a big comic over here, Madeline, they've yeah. thrown themselves into it now. We're right. about to, I think they're about to release their sixth or seventh. You know, They've taken their classic stories and turned them into audio plays and stuck them on Audible. You know, it's, it's becoming a thing, I think. 
mm. an option, you know. Mm. We, yeah, we should release yeah. this as an audible drama. What, what this? this? <laughs> God. <laughs> Remember we tried to do acting once for an advert and it just yeah, came out bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so would, would you do it again? Would you do would Yeah, you, that's would a good you do this again? Um there's the um. <laughs> yeah. um, um, I think we will. I, I've got enough feedback from people who have listened to it, who hmm. just said, "You better be doing another season, or else I'm going to be pissed." Um, <laughs> Did you have a little comment. cameo in it at all? Or? No. Uh, the only cameo is me. Is if if you listen on online, is uh, you'll hear me doing a uh, a little promo for SciFiRadio.com at the beginning. Uh, okay. okay. Um, so yeah, we have got a little ad there, but yeah, please, you know, spread the word and we're trying to boost the numbers over the next couple months so I can start getting in some real advertising, uh, which will. So what's the monetization if you don't mind me asking on that? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, we're, that, that's why we're, I'm trying to monetize it. Yeah. Right. I get you. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, I think, don't think Spotify, you don't make enough on Spotify and stuff like that to, to get any kind of money. Don't know. It's sort of ages. Nothing yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. we we've just been out in the wide world for a month, hmm. right. so uh, I I need more data before I Fair can. Enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got a grand tradition of it. We've got a grand tradition of audio dramas over here, Madeline, because of Radio Four, yes. you know, the BBC Radio yes. Four, which is is amazing. Yeah. They've just dumped a lot of their dramas on um, iTunes and stuff like that, and BBC Sounds. But the um, we do have a lot of stuff that we have a lot of TV series that continue into audio. So if you look at, for example, The Prisoner, um, which is the big series over here, yes, or yes. Doctor Who and Blake Seven yes. and all that sort of thing. Because the fans want more of it, don't they? They do, yeah. yeah. People snap it up. It's like, And it's really good quality, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, I've, 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 I've listened to, to bits and pieces all over. And in fact, when doing my initial research uh, on how to write an audio drama, I obviously, you know, went straight to BBC. Mm. Yeah. Because, um, uh, you know, they're... They're the vanguard of all of us. Everyone seems to think that, um, you know, audio dramas were created when I, when iTunes started or podcasts or stuff. But, oh, I mean, funny. the BBC have been doing yeah. it since, you know, mm, since the 20s are. or something, haven't they? You know? Mm. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. But but what really got me into, into audiobooks and audio drama was years ago, I would be driving home late down the five from San Jose down to Los Angeles. It's, you know, it's a five and a half hour drive. Right. And for a brief, for about an hour and a half on my AM radio, I would get this live theater. And okay. it would be like, oh my God, you know, I don't have to keep channel switching and everything. And so I was entertained for an hour and a half until I lost the signal. And then I'd be all sad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I find uh, listening to a podcast or an audio drama while driving just kills the time. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we've actually do. I do a lot of audio books, um, you know, yeah. at the gym and and when I'm driving anywhere. But yes, you know, audio dramas, absolutely. Mm. Um, yeah, but not. It's not just the audio dramas. Like like you've got prose. The, the thing about Boston Metaphysical, which uh, which I th- think we can't undersell, listeners, is this is a world. I mean, from that initial. You know, pilot for a TV show. This is expanded into a whole world, isn't it? Which is which is comics, graphic novels. It's it's rich you know, and ripe, and aud- yeah, well, well, audio dramas, novels, mm. and everything. You know. Correct. It is it is officially transmedia, as people like to say. Uh, 
Yeah, and I I don't like to do the same story uh, in yeah. a different medium, like because of course when I'm at cons, they'll see A Storm of Secrets, which is the name of the novel, and they think it's a novelization of the graphic novel. And I'll be like, no, it's a prequel. Hmm. It actually yeah. starts five years before. And then Prelude is a series of prequel stories or, or short stories and novellas. And um, yeah, my my production team, and, and he's right. He says, we could just turn the first six issues into an audio drama. You know, you got the story there. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I hate doing the same story. Mm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I always want to do a new story. And the and... thing is about these, you've got this wide like cast of characters now. And the thing about comic fans is they are completists. Hmm. So they yeah. want to know what happens to everyone involved in this world, don't they? You know, and they will invest in it, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's been really interesting. And um, and part of it has to do with with crossover marketing is right. people may discover us initially as uh, an audio drama. And then they're like, wait, what? There's a graphic novel. There's a novel. There's a. You know what more is this and then the same thing yeah. with graphic novels and and uh and the novel so i mean i have people starting at all different points which is one of the reasons why you know i have different stories for them yeah yeah, yeah. it's also I'm, quite a lot for you to keep up on you yeah. know if you've got stuff on spotify and youtube and you know comics platforms and stuff like that and kickstarter there's an awful lot of places you've got to go to to reply to comments as well i'm guessing yes <laughs> yeah yeah um that's one of the reasons why i need help right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it sort of drains your day doesn't it you know yeah one thing when i was uh researching uh boston metaphysical when yourself Alan, it's i found out you used to be a competitive fencer is that yes. correct and that you, is quite correct to, to a I high level to... yes I, um, I thought that would have been for like to do an autobio comic about that yeah what uh, I think it's a world not many people get to to look into, and you'd have like a, you'd be perfectly placed to to tell a story. We've 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 got a book called Spinning, which is by a comic creator who used to be um, a ballet dancer and mm. stuff like that, and that's sold really well. You know. Yeah. No, I'm I'm sure, but how do I phrase this? You didn't kill it, anyone, did you? No, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't kill no, anyone. Thank it's, God. It's one of the reasons I got the shoulder replacement. Uh, okay. Um, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was for me a very different life. Okay. Yeah, I can imagine. And it's a life I don't necessarily want to share with everybody else. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. No, I dig that. Yeah. Maybe one day when you feel you can sort of dig deep into it, and maybe you yeah. might find you can do it one day. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, but... I I loved it, and I loved while you know while while I was doing it. Um, I retired. Uh because of it was injuries, basically yeah. carpal yeah. tunnel in, in both hands. Um, and so I, I couldn't hold a weapon anymore. So it, that was kind of a clue that it might be time. Yeah, I'll get you. That, so hasn't, Dan, that hasn't Dan used affected to be... your writing though, has it? As, as you're writing, because <laughs> obviously you're doing an awful lot of writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, what it has done is informed uh, action sequences and okay, conflict yeah. and... Hmm. I did a, a really fun uh, panel at, it's called Clockwork Alchemy. It's a, it's a very small steampunk convention in Northern California where uh, uh, David Drake um, and I were discussing 
you know, using, you know, fight, fighting in, in action scenes in, in your writing. And this is primarily for prose. And while we were standing there, and he's a fencer himself, he fenced, he fenced foil, I fenced epee. And I looked across at him and I, because we were standing, because we were demonstrating some moves, because he, he brought like an epee and a foil and a saber with him. And I looked, I said, David, look how we're, look at our distance. And he said, he looked and I said, we are standing at the exact distance as if we were on guard going to fence. And, and it was all, you know, we did it subconsciously. Standing, standing in front of the panel, we were at appropriate distance as if, as if we were going to fence each other in competition. You, you probably beat him though, Madeline, yeah? Um, I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, 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 money, my money's on you, mate. I've got to tell you already. <laughs> I was just looking up what the... Di I, I didn't know what an epee was. So. It's more flatter blade, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, epee is triangular, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Saber, uh, saber is... Um, Curved, isn't it? No, it is. It has a, a point on the end. It is flat and it's pointed and it's a slashing weapon. It's a it's your mm. classic cavalry slashing weapon. Uh, and in fencing, you can you get points either by slash or you can use the point. Epe is the original dueling sword. Um, it's triangular. It's heavier. It's longer. And there has what's known as the blood groove down the middle. And oh, right. Okay. Yeah, and that's exactly what it sounds like it's to be. Basically, in what would hope would be forgotten times, when people used to duel, uh, the idea wasn't to kill your opponent, but to maim them so badly that they would no longer be able to fence again. So an ideal target would be to jam the point into their wrist or their elbow. And it's like that in South London, Madeline. I don't oh, know if you've been to oh, South okay. London. It's not quite like, as civilized. There's a lot of dueling goes on here. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're able to, because of the blood groove, you can, it makes it easier to pull the weapon out. Uh, okay. And then wow. the foil, the foil is, um, is, is a square blade that is uh, shorter and lighter than the epee. And it was developed as a practice weapon for the epee. And for many, many years, women were only allowed to fence foil. Okay. Um, that ended in like the 1980s. I've actually got a question for you, Madeline. I've had this question for such a long time and I've asked it many places. I've never been able to get a response that sort of... Uh, this is going to be good. Come on, this is, here we go. In films and TV shows, whenever someone goes into a sword fight, they always hold the sword in front of their face as kind of like before they, they start. salute. Yeah, and I, 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 I tried to find the origin of why... What's this come from? What's the relevance of this? Why is this done? Do, well, do you know? in... In the sport of fencing, um, I don't remember ever doing that, really. Okay. Doing that formal salute. Do, do you know the reference of, of mean like there's so many sword like uh, knights yeah, and I, I, they, I think they do this? Probably, I don't know for certain, but it's probably something from the very upper class uh, in Europe that used to do that because those, those are the folks who used to fence for sport. Hmm. So is it that Ridley Scott movie, The Duelists? It's like that, isn't it? That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. it it has. It's it's a very cultural thing. Okay. Um. Because I'd love to know the kind of the origin and what what the purpose of it is. Because if it was done, there was a reason for it to be done. 
So yeah, it looks, I think it's cool, Dan. It looks cool. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah, sort of like if... a kind of note to say that we're, we're going to play by the rules or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, it's a sign. It's a sign of respect. Yeah. Um, mm. for for the time period. But to be and... fair, it's not a bad. It's not a bad knowledge base for you for for a comic either, is it? You know, it's a great thing to be able to talk about and use and stuff like that as well. You know. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I mean, I've in screenplays I've written, I've had. Uh, characters who who were fencers and you know did it on the side hmm. or something but not as it wasn't the thrust of the story okay yeah you're you're a big advocate aren't you tony of people who have uh dabbled in that kind of stuff been able to write it yeah i think it really translates yeah the question i always always ask on panels and stuff madeline is um do you have to fight a ball to write about it i don't mean that in a literal sense but i think you do have to sort of research at the very least to know I what think, it's like, yeah, I know. think you absolutely have to research. And, and I've had other uh, uh, friends, writer friends, who have used me for research mm, about yeah. fencing because they've had fencing, um, you know, their characters or whatever, and explaining to them what like a what a parry is and a thrust is and uh, the different positions and, um, you know, you see a lot of people with the the, the standard fencing stance where you have, you know, the one arm on guard with the the weapon extended and then you have you the arm over the head you know say like a scorpion does that's a very okay. classic pose um in modern fencing most people don't do that right <laughs> i mean they don't have that hand over your head because it's just it's very awkward and it gets in your way mm. um but others do i mean some people it, it works for them and it's 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 personal preference yeah, okay, yeah, it's interesting. So, it is yeah. really. See, yeah. see, the thing is, we've just talked about that for ten minutes. I found it really interesting. Yeah, yeah. me too. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I know, you, I know, you're slightly reticent about doing a comic about it, Madeline. But I've got to tell you, it's an interesting area. <laughs> there, there, yeah. There's a comic yeah. out there to be to be made by someone, isn't there? About yeah, it, definitely. About yeah. But as, as well as all the research and stuff, you've got the the real life, physical, tangible history, people, um, technologies, etc. Yes. What about the other side of things, the supernatural, the stuff that yeah. there is mm. no, let's face it, video or physical evidence? What is that? What's that been like from a research? And has there been anything that sort of surprised you that you've discovered? Um, not so much as as research as world building mm. and making that world building consistent. And because. A lot of people, they, they say, like, do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in psychics? Well, I hate to say this, but I don't. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> write neither. about it yeah. because it's fun yeah. and it's entertaining. But no, I don't believe in ghosts and I don't believe in psychics. Um, uh, I do believe that the brain operates and sees patterns differently for different people. And so one might assume that you know someone has a psychic sense when you know i think in reality their brain just functions differently and sees patterns differently and therefore comes to a different conclusion but be that as it may um i i think in your world building the main thing you have to think about is to be consistent and once you establish a rule you can't break it and you can establish any rule you want as long as it's consistent. It's like you can't touch a ghost or something like that. You know, you've got to keep to it or you've got to explain what happens if it does happen. You know? It does. It does yeah. um, you know, because it, over time, initially, like Caitlin can't 
physically speak can't speak to a ghost yeah but because of and i don't want to ruin anything because of certain changes and things that happened to her and her own psychic abilities things start changing for her as she gets more powerful she can do things that she initially couldn't do yeah and and that's part of her arc um i also do demons differently in that they don't come from a hell mouth but they're have um evolved separately from us but alongside us uh, yeah so as long as you you keep all that consistent um have you, you have you got you like have you got like the the ten rules or yeah. you know things like this so that you you send to an artist as well say right this can't happen but we this is fine you know do you ever do that or no I haven't I I though I I think uh I know with Gwen we developed a shorthand uh mm. speaking when we talked about ghosts like right. she would draw ghosts and I'd say like okay don't forget the glowy stuff. <laughs> around the ghost yeah. so so the reader knows that we're looking at a ghost and not someone just floating in there with half of their body cut off um and yeah. so you know later on i would just say you know when i explained what the glowy stuff was i just said like oh don't forget the glowy stuff and she'd know what i was talking about <laughs> uh, yeah. and and so that's just you know how you, you know you develop as you develop a relationship with your artist you develop a shorthand um, so eventually they just, they know what you're talking about and you don't have to explain it. Um, but initially, yes, you, you do have to, like, I'm working with a new artist now and I, and a new colorist. So I fully know that I'm going to have, particularly in the first issue, spend a lot more time with them just so we, we learn our new shorthand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's I, definitely I, that getting to know a, a, yeah. a, an artist yeah. is a right. There's it's yeah. a huge thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think if you yeah. have a a built up universe for want of a better term, that's something that you know you will have to keep doing if you're working with different artists and like anyone anyone out there who's doing a similar sort of thing, you know, I probably knows the same thing that you get this shorthand, but then you have to you have to learn it again with a new art team. Um, but that, yes, that's part of the parcel of of the whole. Yes. You know, and, part and of the I joy do, as well. I mean, have you learned to refine the process of finding that shorthand? Um, I almost have to relearn it, just mm. because, uh, like Gwen and I were together for four years, mm. so you just you fall into a pattern. Yeah. And when when I hired uh, Roberta to do the the ten page short. I realized like, oh, I'm so used to talking to Gwen that I didn't fully explain things to Roberta and which, which is not, not her fault. It's my fault. And then I would go back like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. This is what I, I meant to do. But it was a good reminder to me, you know, bringing on an, a new artist for the series that I'm, I'm going to have to spend the time, you know, I have to think about that again. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you have to think about an awful lot with this, uh, yeah. <laughs> with this universe. It's just getting worse rest. and worse, Madeline. You've built such a universe, you know. It's, it's, it's still in your head, but there's occasionally, I'm guessing, the time yeah. you must go back and look. What did I say previously about this? Did you have to look oh, stuff up? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, and it gets it gets worse because I have a a, a novel trilogy outline. I've actually written the first novel, right, uh, yeah. that takes place 35 years prior to 
the original graphic novel, which covers what I call the House Wars, which is the equivalent of the American Civil War. Okay. Right. And I haven't been back to it now for a, at least two years because I've just been too busy. And I know I'm going to have to read through that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So like, what did I say? Yeah. What did I do? I, even Look though I have the notes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, yeah, have, a, do like, you have a timeline that you've written out? You know, do you have like a, a literal something you can reference? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Because with the, with books being taken, with prequels, and then you have the ongoings, and then the, the side stories, you really do need this sort of reference so you know where everything <laughs> lines up, don't you, really? Yeah, I mean, I do have to fudge a little bit just because every once in a while, just because some of the, the short stories and novellas were written a long time ago mm. before, and I was using them to develop canon. Mm. So there's oh, some things I'm going to have to fudge a little bit just because I can't you know change those in entirety but it you know for me it's close enough mm. yeah so what's in the um, forthcoming future for this universe yeah um, well other than the new uh, four issue miniseries um, that I'm working on uh, you guys probably don't I don't know if you know this I'm also writing a story for Lady Mechanica oh cool oh, wow. nice yeah, yeah nice yeah and um, having a great time with uh, Jovanitz and Marsha Chan. Uh, who's One of my... F- I loved Joe's work back in the day. I just... <laughs> he's just an um, astounding artist. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's... They're, they're just wonderful. We've Both my husband and I, we've had dinner with them at WonderCon in San Diego. And we feel like we've been adopted by the Benitez family. <laughs> um, they're just... They're, and I love working with them yeah uh they actually hired uh a few writers because they 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 just couldn't the production they just couldn't handle it all it was Mm. um because that's really that's a that's a sort of indie character that's really taken off yes yeah because image is also republishing as as well oh yeah um they they've got to deal with image so i'm i'm the last writer on this particular production arc so probably this I'm guessing this will probably finish the script this year, but it won't go into production until next year. Okay, cool. Yeah, fair enough. I know they do a free comic book day most years as well, don't they? Mm. They're quite quite involved in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's, it's Joe Benitz. I've I've been saying his name wrong my entire life. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But for my money, the best artist on the darkness that there was. Uh, Uh, Yeah, good shout, man. I've I've thrown my hat into the ring, but yes. <laughs> lovely, lovely people. Oh, that's even better to hear. That is, lovely, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Talented and nice. We need more of those people about. Um, so, um, yeah, where can people um, find out more about this? The, the Boston Metaphysical. Do you do you actually have a shorthand for it? Oh, BMS. It's obvious. Just, really. Now, just, as soon just, as you said I, it, I thought, well, <laughs> we should have. <laughs> Broached that at the start of the interview, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I've blundered my way through. That. Or are, it's either BMS or just Boston Metaphysical, and yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah, and that's fine. I know it's a mouthful, but it, it just it works. It's oh, also, totally. I I think it's totally in keeping with what the book is. Yeah, it's yeah, it's totally. This is brand. You don't. Yeah, I've said this many times. But Vanguard, there's like a million things called Vanguard. There's there's only one thing called Boston Metaphysical Society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, he, yeah. 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 No, that's 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 true. <laughs> <laughs> so 
saying like you just realized that. Um, <laughs> That's where, quite yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, where, though, I, though I think um, Mike McNola came out with the, what is the British Paranormal Society? It's like an offshoot of BPRD. Hellboy. Yeah. Yeah. BPRD? Oh, uh, yeah, that, that, that Mike McNola, who's, no one knows him. Yesterday's chip paper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but where can people uh, find this strip and all, all the work? Um, of course, at um, bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com. Uh, also, you can pick up the uh, uh, original trade in digital or physical from SourcePoint Press. Um, the audio drama you can pick up through uh, either on CD through my web store. And, and the CD is nice because, one, it's WAV file, so it just sounds better. Uh, there's no commercials, and you get the commentaries. Oh. Um, but you can download it on any of your favorite platforms, uh, Captivate, Overcast, Spotify, any of those guys. Um, and so, and please, if you do, please leave a review. That would most, most yes, appreciate it, it. It very much helps. It really helps. Yeah, we say it every week, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does help. <laughs> um, where else? Um, on Facebook, uh, Boston Metaphysical Society Comic, uh, Twitter, M. Holly Rosing. And Instagram, M Holly and the numeral one. Oh. So, but Instagram, I kind of use just kind of for fun stuff. Yeah. You know, I post like cookies and crap like that. Oh, you know? oh nice. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, <laughs> but go forth and check it out, people. And thank you very much for joining yeah, thanks, us. Thanks, mate. Yeah, Lovely. cheers, Holly. Yeah. Um, this has Lovely. just been. It's, it's so fascinating on so many levels. This chat. Um, so we'll probably talk to you when you have your, um, you know, when when the movie, video game, and whatever else you happen to be writing at this moment in time. <laughs> like, like um, she's going to talk to us then. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and it was great to finally meet Dad. It was, yes, it was just yes. So startling. One of my favourite moments of the year, mate. I did look in the corner, like that's Dan. Yeah. That's what he looks like. Everyone <laughs> says that. Younger. Everyone says he looks that. So much younger than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm blushing now. He just acts like a grumpy old man, but he's he's really a he's, he's really the eye candy of the show. We yeah, know yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Whereas me and Tony just got faces for radio. But it was it was absolutely wonderful to meet everyone. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Our pleasure, amazing. mate. Yeah, yeah. Yes. that was great. That was really good. Well, there you have it, folks. So much knowledge. I learned. Mm. So, I, I learned mm. quite a bit. Look at us in touch with people in Hollywood. We're cool, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Plus, like, to be doing comics, having indie comic for that long, is what kind of crazy person would do that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But to do it with one series as well, I think, mm. is awesome. Still, and that's, cool. and that's why we get these creators on here because they're. Awesome. I think you can learn a lot from that. I didn't uh, ask Madeline about her. Uh, forgot. To, I briefly mentioned it, but the Kickstarter thing she did interested to chase her up on that and say like because she seriously might take another look at it but kickstart yeah. obviously has changed so much since mm. she started to do it and she'll, with that many campaigns under oh, it's such belt. a huge part of the, um, yeah. the, the the community now isn't it you yeah, know what else is, you know what else has changed we'll get into the shout in a minute you know what else has changed and we're oh, just no. going to briefly touch on, touch on this um the price it's about the prices my wallet yeah. my wallet has significantly changed <laughs> um I don't know. To all you lovely people out there, um, 
around the world. Obviously, the price of comics is going up, but for us in the UK, in the UK oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the price of importing comics and the difference between cover price to UK price has been sort of announced in a lot of ways. There's a lot of shops talking about it. Some of them fair hmm. play, um, you know, being upfront and open about things. Gosh said, if you're you got comics on back order in the shop, come in and get them before. Yeah. Monday mm. because the price is going to go up and that's a great heads up mm. yeah still very expensive though yes so um, we've been getting them coming in from a number of shops haven't we yes um, yeah. yeah and we're, we're of course obviously on the ATP we've been messaging backwards and forwards about the price of comic stuff normally it, it involves us going what the and then lots of effing yeah. and jeffing well you know okay. you know what my my comics ball list is massive you know yeah it, it, I, I pay three you know it's usually just over 100 pounds i pay a week mm. and i've i've cut back this week i've just prepared I was talking to you about it before we started i've cut back because how many times roughly did we cut back to god I don't, i've cut back i've cut back about well i'm so we haven't emailed them yet so it's not, yeah it's, really, to. it's about 12 tiles fucking hell yeah when you so think that's a fair bit four, of fucking four, revenue Four or five yeah. quid at a time. Yeah. 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 I keep on thinking, is this the point that it's gone too far? Or like, this is it? And I think I missed you. I think, fuck me, this might be it, you know? You, you this, said this is watershed moment, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. I think this is it. This is it, it. The, um, I mean, just for clarity, um, does anyone have like some of those prices? I've have? got them in front of me here, man. Right. So just for when you clarity, think... watch we're, what we're talking about on 31st of July, 2022. <clears throat> Right. Yeah. So what happened was, um, for at the moment the pound dollar is we're about one one dollar twenty. Yeah, the pound's very weak at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's about one one twenty three, one twenty four tops at the moment. Um, so, but what we do over here, we we pay more than they do in the states. So whilst comics are still very expensive all over the world, we pay added extra to it, and that very much depends on where you get them from. Um, so we've had a we've had a series of shops shop emails sent to us um, of people who said, "Oh, my shop has emailed me. My shop has emailed me. I've heard that this is going to happen at my shop." So we've had. So I'll, I'll, shall I take one of them? So let's take the four ninety nine, the four ninety nine cover price, which I think is a DC cover price at the moment for some of their books. Mm. One shop in England is charging so for a four dollar ninety nine book. One shop in England is is charging four pound fifty. Okay. And another one is is charging four pound ninety. So when you look at the four pound ninety price, it's almost dollar to pound. Is this? Mm. You may as well just fucking say it's dollar to pound. Yeah. yeah. You know, which makes utterly no sense at all. And I I deal with I've dealt with distributors and Diamond a lot um, for No Brow, and I know how much those comic shops are paying for those comics. So that's quite expensive. Man, uh, just um, a, a twenty-one page comic, twenty-one, twenty-five page comic for five is not worth it. It's not. No, it's not worth it. It's just not value for money. No. And the excuse of well, the artists have got to be paid. Well, that doesn't count with everything in the world. Isn't it? You can't charge everything in the world that way. You, when you're owned by Disney, yeah, you know who are making billions and or billions Warner Brothers, of Marvel, or yeah, or Warner Brothers, is. yeah. Pay the money from the movies to the comics, because otherwise the comics are going to fall. It just, it just becomes untenable yeah. if you yeah, actually cost that much. You just you can't do it. And we're it's... the we're the we're really feeling the brunt of it in in Britain. We're yeah. really feeling it. So for nine dollars ninety nine US dollars, um, some shops are charging. Uh, what is it here? Some ch- shops are charging eight pounds sixty. So for a 
$1.99 book, £8.60. Okay. Some shops in the UK are charging £9.80. So where, why is that different? What's the difference there for? Yeah. How can yeah. one shop afford it yeah. and one shop can't? And one and sometimes, shop sometimes it's the smaller, the smaller shops that are doing it cheaper. I've got to tell you, yeah. the cheapest shop there, mate, is, is by far the smallest shop of those two. Yeah. 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 And well, why? Like, it's probably yeah. the smaller shops, you know, God bless you all. You have to, you know, bring the, have competitive prices because you're the local, you know, your local customers, your regular customers are so important. They're the lifeblood. Mm. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, some of these bigger shops probably don't care. It's just numbers, isn't it? Yeah. That's, I mean, a, bit I'm actually That's th- a bit harsh to tire it with a don't care brush, yeah. but you know, you know what I mean. How much, how much can I get out of them? Yeah, that's I, will, I, I will say I will say a Forbidden Planet. Um, God bless all you people who work, work there, you know, because we know we know people who work there that love comics and stuff. But as yeah. a whole, as a big company whole, they're just looking at the bottom line, so they're they're not really going to care. But I tell you what, Forbidden Planet is cheaper than some shops in okay. um, Southern England. Yeah, you get a little bit of a discount in there. Who was um, I talking to, Cliff saying oh, like, good. "Gosh, was absolutely mm. fucking slammed out on the top floor, and it was dead on the ground floor. The, the top floor is where you get all the small press and." Mm. Graphic novels, in graphic novels, and indie and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, trades basically. Yeah, yeah. Man, um, I, don't, I don't. I think it's unfair of us to name the shops because I think a lot of these shops will have to have a oh, rethink God, yeah. around these prices. Yeah, they're going to have to kind of yeah. adapt and change as it goes on because it's, yeah. it's an ever-evolving situation, isn't it? It's... But when a when a, a US comic, or you know, I suppose by that time it becomes like a perfect bound book, doesn't it? The is nine dollars ninety nine, and we're paying nine pound eighty. Mm. No think, way. And, and somewhere else is paying eight pound sixty. And why, and, why and is also, there that? Yeah, you know, why is that difference? And yeah. the shops have to be like, look, we're only going to do issue one and two because if you're not going to pick it up after that, why? Why would we order it? Don't. Yeah. Yeah. I said, is this another step down that fucking road of like these going? Yeah. This is because this also, is this is what happened to records. We will eventually have yeah. just have a spot of five yeah. comics. Also, yeah. how long is it before those comics just the cover price slashes? And when it goes into like a, just a back issue bin, or, or how, yeah. how how long they're do not they stay returnable. On the shelves? These books, yeah. How long yeah. do they stay on the shelves? Just uh, I mean, because that's me not really knowing. Well, what two months at the most? Yeah, at very most. And also, if they linger on the, the shelves any longer than that, in some ways you're kind of not interested in them. A bit bad anyway. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> yeah. The I think the thing is, you got these shops are going to have to start thinning stuff down and realizing how many they can order of each thing. And there won't be a lot of shelf books. And hopefully, by doing that, they'll be able to reduce the price somewhat. I think the, one of the things it may do is a, a pleasant sort of uh, side effect, as in like the, the meritocracy of the books yeah. will come to the forefront. Because if you're not providing the bang for the buck, as it were, you're, just, you're not going to be kept around. Because And the books I'm cancelling, I'm going to be reading on the Marvel and DC apps. Yeah. You know, and I understand they're. Some of them, I don't understand why you're still reading them. I know, man. I, I yeah, because I sent you some pictures of one of them yeah, yeah, today, yeah, and yeah. it's fucking well, like. What did you say? Like the 90s. You're a mug. <laughs> you said it's like the nineties have come back. The art was yeah. so bad, man. Yeah, yeah. People, yeah, people will. You know, they always we always talk about the nineties in a certain way and the way the art was a, a certain way. But I'm, I, I gotta be honest. Sometimes when I see some of the stuff from the the big two, it's so generic. It feels like I'm back in that time. Yeah. It's yeah. That expression, the painfully generic. Just, yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God bless. So, uh, God bless the artists 
who are doing something a bit different and a bit I mean, more individual. But you annoyed me. You didn't. You didn't annoy me, Tony. But you showed me. Showed us that fucking yeah. Punisher stuff. And it's like, they're, they're they're afraid to show the skull on Frank's chest. There's a flashback in the new Punisher series. There's another one. There's two series out. The newest one. And there's a flashback in it. And they they put a jacket on him. Got, you can just see the the top white semicircle of the skull above his. But then you look in the toy. I, yeah. I tweeted like a toy from the San Diego Comic Con, and it's like the retro Punisher with a kind of he's got like you know the old fashioned skull with the lines. Yeah, and he's got that as like a metal plate strapped to his chest. Is that they got no problem when it comes to that making money off it? High end toys. That, yeah, they might have licensed that to someone else. But well, the problem is you got the high end toys. People don't want a toy with the new symbol on it or him no. wearing a jacket. They want the proper image on it, and that's what it, they're doing. You know, it, and uh, funny enough, I think that might apply to comics as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got the mad, same thing yeah. when like. Uh, someone's head's been exploded and there's an eyeball shooting over the page and then they don't mind like, putting that in where's the yeah, morality but, oh, no, here? don't put that don't put the skull on it you know it's like oh for god's sake what what's the i, I don't understand the logic behind it mm. I, really... I want i wonder in in 10 years you know because a lot of comics power comes in the nostalgia and how we talk about those classic you know wolverine's first appearance or well they say it's like all the whales isn't it yeah like pump, pumping in the money from Kind of the older readers that have been around from fucking day dot, as it were. But how will um, we look back on this era of big two comics? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, do you know what? I was thinking about it today, mate, and we had a chat about it, didn't we? I, there's some really good stuff out. I think Ram V and Chip Zdarsky's oh, Batman yeah, books yeah, yeah, yeah. are really good at the moment. I think some of the X Men books are good. Um, I like Space Superman. I like him. There's some. There is some genuinely, and I, I yeah. started reading the Flash again today, and I, I, I've torn through. Okay. Through oh, wow. who's, who's doing that one? Uh, nobody you'd know of actually we're chatting about it on the slack a, a newish writer i'd not heard of but some really interesting i mean it's basically a team book as is the tv series now you know um yeah. but there's some there's some good stuff going on and there's some fucking terrible stuff going on yeah mm. you know that new moon knight book is awful i don't know what's going on with it it's just terrible um and and i think the pr- the problem is there are some great books and they're probably going to start getting ignored because people are just not going to want to read them you know, because yeah. they'll be just be blown down by waves of cack. You know, <laughs> know, you know there was that kind of the, the thing they were doing, just like basically fill the shelves with the comics. I know Marvel had that strategy at one point, mm. just fill the shelves with Marvel titles, regardless of what they are. Uh, I presume that kind of strategy is either gone or, or never existed. But with the the price jump, surely that's going to be. Well, we don't. We not It sounds like you big bang comics aren't going to have shelf books soon. Okay, because yeah, that's, that's the, the way it would go. It would be. You got to pre-order everything, and then that some that's only going to be like less and less people are going to get that, aren't they? Yeah, it, it, I mean, that, that that won't go up. That would just drop. Surely. I have a pool, I have a pool list, and it's convenient to me, and I enjoy having a pool list. And books get put in my um my 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 drawer just you know. Oh, we thought we might like this Tony, and I love that man. I lo- absolutely love it. And that might stop doing stop happening. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's fucking dark day since we first started this fucking podcast of where it is now. It's a real, mm. it's a real shame. But and uh, people in America will be going, oh yeah, yeah, but comics aren't on their ass. Well, it's some areas of comics on their ass, and you you don't live in Britain and have to pay fucking huge amounts for each issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, we've got loads of homegrown comics in the UK. Yes, yes. Uh, that's look the, at him. He's doing it again, Vince. Yeah, one of the, one of the good things. I I. I that's why I'm so kind of heavily turned into the Indian small press stuff yeah, because yeah. because they're shining the love lights it. and, and certainly yeah. like you know these writers that we're talking about that are doing well on these bigger t- these 
big two books have come from the indie comics scene I've as well. I've got two cracking books. I had another two mm. revelations this week. Yeah. I tell you now. Yeah. So, I've got uh, a really good book to recommend. But also. before we get on to that, do we have any shout-outs, gents? Yep, I've got a couple. I so, um, yeah, uh, bam, they've announced their date. It's going to be the 20, 22nd of October. Um, that's going to be a laugh. So looking forward to that. I've booked, uh, booked my table. Contact... Um, how do they contact people, V? Do you know for that? Um, Rachel Lee Carter. Rachel Lee Carter. Tiny Noggin on Twitter. Find her on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I've just signed up for Aces Weekly this week. Um, $6.99 a month. I'm going to give it a shot. Um, I think it comes in weekly. I've got access to the previous week, which I read today. I'm actually really impressed with the standard in it. I know Simon, shout out to Simon Russell, he's been saying we should get on it for ages, but I've, I've finally took took the dive in knowing that Val Merrick's done a strip I did, did a podcast about him this week and the wow I, I can't read it I've got to sign up so um and it, it's a really really well functioning got a nice email from one of the you know, one of the editors saying oh this you got access to this now Tony you know like a personal email yeah so watch this space I'll be talking about that soon and we possibly might have someone on from Aces Weekly so watch that space um if um if you're looking um I think what's looking like a good convention for small press creators is Bridlington Comic Con. That's Sunday, the fourth of September. I know we we had um, the chap who runs it on the podcast. What about a month and a half ago now? Um, he's giving out tables free at that and Hull Comic Con, free to small press creators. So you can't you can't say better than that, can you? No. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go to that. Uh, there's a few of us doing it in Ashcross, doing it. A few other people. So have a look for that. Um, DUI two. I read. I yeah. It, it's it's. I think I think he won't mind saying there's a test print on the way to Amon as we speak. I think. Um, so watch this space. So any day now, that's going to be um, available to buy. So just keep your ears open to this podcast and various you know social media stuff like that, um, and we'll let you know when you can buy it. And it's a cracker actually. Really liked it. We're all involved in it. Um, so have a look for that one. And my final one is a uh, big congratulations in order. Actually, I think you know, guys. I just spoke to you about it, but. Um, one one of my best friends and very proud of her. Congratulations to Crystal. Oh yes, well, yeah. well, well done. done, Crystal. Yeah. Well done, Crystal. And my shouts: <laughs> Coco Comic Con, Lancaster, twenty twenty two, thirteenth of August. Uh, two more lane, Lancaster L A one one Q D. For more details, visit www.cococomics.co.uk, and you can find them on. Uh, Facebook at Coco Comics, Instagram at Coco underscore Comics underscore Publishing, and Twitter at Coco Comics. Go check and if that you're out. on if you're on the Slack, there's an opportunity. That even if you aren't going, you can send your comics to them, and they will sell them on your behalf. Nice. There you go. There's a dress. And we've got the uh, Brew Gooders Beer and Comics Podcast Anthology Comic. The Brew Gooders have yeah. put together a showcase of comic talents to celebrate this year's Scottish Comic Book Day. And they're sailing towards this target. Uh, go check them out. These guys, this isn't their first rodeo. I think some of it might be the first time they've done a comic. But, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, maybe. some of them are pros. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, yeah. don't quote me on that. Uh, but go check that out. That looks great. And uh, that concludes my shout out. Oh, you got one more. You're going to do the. What was, what was it going to do again? <laughs> the penguin one. Oh, of course. Yes, the penguin. Uh, we've got the uh, new. Uh, what's the title of this one? I completely missed it. <laughs> Yeah, I've fucked this up. Can you edit this, Vince? <laughs> We've got from, uh, Alan, Alan, I just, I just want you to know, yeah, I haven't edited sorry, this. Uh, <laughs> it's called "What Next." What the is problem next? is, Alan, and it's I just called want, "What I'm, Next." That's I'm, what it's called. I'm gonna, I'm That's gonna, I mean. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defend Dan here. 
because it's your fault, Alan. You're making too many penguin books. You're making too many goddamn amazing penguin books that he's you pickled his brain. After he's he's did comment, he did the comic house ad and he had to read them all out. You've pickled the, the poor boy's brain. And he said penguin too many times. Yeah. It's on Kickstarter. Go back it. What next? Yeah. The penguin Brilliant. return with what next? The all new collection of fun filled and quickly acclaimed penguin comic strips. There you go. <laughs> he said it again. We got Hila- to say hilarious. It. Penguin. Hilarious <laughs> penguin. He's going to say it in the middle of the night. Penguin. <laughs> Uh, love Good. those books. Love those books. Have you got any Vince? Um, no, just look after yourselves, people. I I love each and every one of you. It's Hill Street Blues. Someone did take up what? your uh, said about your Hill Street Blues, didn't yeah. Vince, yeah, yeah. I was really pleased about that. Yeah, when I saw that. So um, f- forgive me. Your name is not on my brain right now because I don't have the the post up. But you know, it's always nice when like when we do recommendations and stuff. And, People so clock on to something. Says, oh, yeah, it's good. You'll yeah. pay attention. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, Tony, do we have anything else to say? We've had a little bit of a rant, but we're over it now. Yeah, happy. Yeah. 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 I've had a good comics weekend. I didn't yeah. get to go to Glasgow, so I that just sucks. read loads of comics. Yeah. 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 You went to see yeah. Thor, though, T. So. Yeah, well, let's okay, yeah. the yeah. So let's recommend <laughs> some comics. Good. Um, or, or creators or whatever. I'm going to go first. I haven't had a chance to read too much. Um, this week, so I'm just going to jump in to begin with. Um, but I've been like following a lot of creators and artists on Instagram, and certainly like um, discovering like little comics here and there. I, I, it's probably something I'm going to do even more of um, in the future. Uh, I discovered an artist called Jasmine Vilakis, um, who's from Canada, an animator and designer. Um, and uh, follow her on Instagram because um, she does some lovely diary comics. She's got a lot of like artwork on there as well, like daily. Um, sketches of people and like very cool artists but the the diary comics are just they're just lovely there's no other way to put it it's just just a real oh that's nice some of them are funny like involving pets or just day-to-day or just it's it's relatable i think when it comes to diary comics and things like that it's nice to have these little moments that are that are quite relatable in its own kind of way um and uh like the the one that I knew I'd like it because the first one I saw was she's just sitting down reading reading a, like a prose book imagine that a book with words and uh, she's just like oh wow I'm reading oh I'm great at this I love reading you, these are the sort of things that are in your head sometimes like oh this is I really enjoy reading this book and then there's a panel at the end like hold on I can't remember what I've what was on the last five pages have you ever been reading a book and then had to go you get to a certain point no, all the saying, time. Every five minutes, I don't my, think my I've, brain's porridge I know yeah. I've read those five pages I can't remember yeah. anything that happened on those five never, pages never a good sign <laughs> I'm always thinking about other things yeah yeah That's, yeah yeah. so yeah follow uh, Jasmine uh, Valakis um, she's, she's on Twitter as well but um, yeah just a great creator that I'll be following more of um Tony, I think you've got two again, haven't you? I have, babes. You yeah. saucy boy, so kick us off. You know it, baby. Um, so f- my first one is a book called Doggy Style, The Complete Dog Boy by Steve Laughlin. Now, I spoke about Steve um, a few months ago now, and since then, we've become friendly, and we're chatting. And um, I-, I saw that he'd released this from his Instagram, and I snapped it up, black and white, um, $39.99. Um, it is about 500 pages long. Um it's one of those sort of print-on-demand books, but it's um, I think it's its a limited edition one. I don't think you're going to get the full catalogue of um, Dog Boy. Um, to me, um, I, oft, I often think of Steve as the Robin Hitchcock of comics. So Robin Hitchcock is a musician who 
if you if you speak to any musician, they will rate him, you know. But Joe Public probably hasn't heard of him, and I think the same with Steve in Underground Comics. I think he's this really amazing and prolific creator, but not enough people know of him over here in the UK. I say you people really do need to know about him. I know there's a couple of people in the Slack who knew about his stuff. Dog Boy is one of his main comics. He's been making them on and off since the eighties, and they've been published in the most part by Cat Food Cat Head Comics, which is his um, his sort of imprint, his little self publishing imprint. Um, but also for a period by Fantagraphics as well. Um, and after speaking to him previously, he sent me a lovely message and we had a chat. Um, and I noticed he was selling this big collection, so I, I jumped in on it. And I read it. I, I was meant to go to, I think I just said, I, I was meant to go to Glasgow this weekend, but my, my trains got cancelled for the um, Johnny Cannon signing. Um, so I thought, right, I need something. And this has been sitting on the side, so I read it. I read the 500 pages in one single afternoon. And I am forever warped by the experience, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um if you imagine if every bad dream hallucination or trip um formed itself into a comic story um, with a dog-headed man in a suit and as a protagonist um and many many of the stories even even beat that bad dream that you probably that cheese dream you've had that um that mushroom trip that you've had you know the art shows ever so slightly over the course of time but not not supremely noticeably as it you know naturally people change don't they slightly they're little chunks of stories um um, with a very sort of anarchist, um, with a small A, anti-establishment, shoe-obsessed, sex-mad, dog-headed, crazy person as our hero, and all black and white, um, with a real underground feel to them, but very readable. So, you know, with some underground comics, you think, fucking, I can't read that, it's a bit nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, looks, it's just too crazy on the page, but these are actually mental and very readable, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, Steve. Um, I don't, trying to explain all of the stories would just be an exhaustive feat and we haven't got about eight hours so I thought I'd just pick out a few odd moments that made me laugh or raise an eyebrow um, in one of the sequences Dog Boy he drives around in a VW Beetle and he's got like a hob in the back of it and he's driven around by his, his sidekick who's called Ben B who looks like he's made out of biscuit or something he's a bit strange but while they're driving around Dog Boy's making himself the perfect omelette on the hob which he then throws out the window at a sort of yuppie banker who has a briefcase that fires heat-seeking missiles back at him. That's one sequence. At one moment, there's these two naked, dong-out, poodle-type men with square box-like heads, and they ride around the roof on the roof of Dog Boy's girlfriend's car, who is also tripping her melons off, um, until Dog Boy crashes into them with his motorcycle. Uh, I think Laffler calls them the poodle blockheads. They, they turn up a few times. Um, at one point, Dog Boy is in a fleshy tunnel and he sees a light at the end of the tunnel and to escape, he has to come out of a lady's for JJ. Um, they clearly ripped that off in the boys. Um, one, he's sneak attacked by the hairy goblin brothers after de- trying to defeat them with his magical saxophone skills. He is chased into outer space by them and convinces them to climb into the earth and become rocks. I mean, what kind of thing is he smoking? Honestly. <laughs> Um, um, he defeats someone by shitting like a projectile into their mouth at one point um, God appears um, he encounters an anthropomorphic shit called Mr. Poop um, he escapes from zombies by flying on a magical slice of pizza um, and genuinely that even those stories why, that's just why did you sing that a bit that was lovely wasn't it yeah but just <laughs> that's just the smallest smallest portion of what is going on in this book um he, he just—it's like cheese dream escapades. Do you know what I mean? Um, 
but there's lovely bits and you're reading it and then he he keeps yes his character he keeps saying oh and he talks about how he's a comic he makes comics and sells them to distributors and there's these bits that appear that are clearly steve's own life or i'm guessing now steve i know you're going to listen to this um there's lots of sort of trippy philosophizing about the nature of self and the universe as well and which you're going to get you know from, from these sort of um stoner type people um the author photograph on the back page, which I showed you earlier, is Steve with a paper bag on his head, um, and he's wearing it like a hat. He looks a tiny bit stoned, or maybe, you know, at the point of no return in the sexual experience. That's all I'm going to say. But it just made me laugh. Another part of this book that just made this, me laugh. This is, this is no way factual, Steve. You're, you're free to yeah. defend yourselves. <laughs> anyway. Please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be a great guest, man. Oh, I'd love to hear him. Um <laughs> The only thing I think it's probably missing is there's some great colour covers for this series. Um, you can go if going on eBay and look them up. And what is what because it's kind of self-published and stuff. You've got more of a sort of black and white photocopy effect of them, which is a tiny bit of a shame. Um, and not getting on my amazing trip to Glasgow, this and you know trying to argue with hotels to get money back. This this was actually absolutely soothed my pain. You know, absolutely brilliant. The and so whilst chatting to him, he also said he'd listened to our previous conversation about him. And um, he said, um, can I send you um, the new book he's got coming out, which he did. And I read that today. Um, and it's called Cat Suit. It's 148 pages collection, again, of black and white stories. Um, and it includes the titular Cat Suit, who's a man who wears a cat suit just to go clubbing and he meets ladies. And his psychiatrist tries to have sex with him and stuff like that. I think it might be you, Steve. I'm guessing it may be you. <laughs> Um, and uh, El Vocho is a love story with mobsters and big businesses, um, and he's also currently working on the Tales of Twisted Love, adapting the stories by Paul Thoreau. Um, do you know who Paul Thoreau's kid is? No. Louis. Louis. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, um, that, that was just a guess, because it's the only person I know that has the same there you go. name. It's a good guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, it, that was equally brilliant. Absolutely loved it. Um, I, I, I could sit there all weekend and just read Steve's comics. They're just so refreshingly funny and um, out there and anti-establishment and anarchic. And I mean, the, this book, Dog Boy book opens with a quote from Terence McKenna, who I'm a massive fan of. Um, I had a load of audio tapes of Terence McKenna talking, you know, in the, in the late eighties and stuff. And uh, this is start my street. Yeah. Brilliant. Doggy style, the complete dog boy. If you go to, he's on Instagram, he's Steve Laffler, um, L-A-F-L-E-R, or go to stevelaffler.com. Um, he's also got some t-shirts and stuff which you can find on Redbubble which I went and bought a couple of um, but uh, yeah it's a very he's a very it's a very sort of conversational WordPress website type thing so you can read about his process and what he's got coming up and stuff like that can't speak hardly enough of the dude yeah brilliant absolutely nice. absolutely loved it it's my first nice. one guys nice Dan what have you got I was banging on about this one on uh, the shout outs because I backed it uh, Slash oh, nice. Royale by uh, Joseph Oliveira who does the writing and lettering uh, Dominic Racho who's the artist, Carla Aguilar, uh, the colorist, and Marco Fontanelli, uh, the cover artist, absolutely lovely cover artist with <clears throat> one of the titular killers. Uh, <clears throat> it initially tells a, the story of a, a young lad and he comes home and finds his uh, parents being murdered by a serial killer. And it cuts to years later <clears throat> where uh, the serial killer and a host of others have all been incarcerated in this supermax facility. And the young boy's grown up and now become a prison warden and he's managed to get himself in the same building uh, to work in the same facility as the person who's killed his parents as well as all these other serial killers who 
who kind of remind me in, in a way of like a Batman villains. Mm, They're not okay. Batman villains, but they, they've all got their, their shtick and yeah. what they do and their, their methods of killing. And they're all kind of really well fleshed out and, and characterized, fucking horrible. And uh, he's got to work on this wing. And I can't go into it too much more without spoiling it, which I don't want to do. It, the story starts up from there and then starts kind of all these secondary elements coming in of, of uh, betrayals and backstabbing and how it all plays out. <clears throat> it's really well done. I really enjoyed it. Uh, great story. Uh, art's great. It absolutely serves the purpose of what it does. It's not over the top with the gore, but it, it's there enough to kind of, you get what they're going for. Uh, I've got a small complaint, and that's the lettering, which I think Joey does himself. Did I just say that? Yeah, yeah. the Joseph does himself. The I think it's the kerneling. Is that right, V or the kerneling? The, the kerneling. Yeah, it's kind it's of. It's a tiny bit jumbled. Yeah, it's kind of it's yeah. been pushed down a little bit too much to the point where there's n- not enough space between uh, the lines of text. They kind of blur in a little bit. It's not. The, the it's not done for the effect of the conversation is it from the no. pages you showed us no okay right it's, yeah, it's, okay. it's throughout yeah. and uh where there's like on a, on a normal kind of three or four lines of dialogue it's not really an issue but when letting the characters if letting. letting that's it yeah. yeah when they uh go into more lengthy dialogue it's sometimes like oh bloody hell what's that it's a bit of a wall of text there i think if you just notched it up a little it would be it'd solve that instantly cool uh yeah okay. But I'd recommend. I'm going to be on for the next next time this one comes out, and I think as soon as the Kickstarter was backed, boom! I had it in my inbox. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Joe. Lovely stuff. Yeah, great stuff. So that's my recommend. Go yeah, check yeah. out Slash Royale. Yeah, cool. Tony, I'll do my last one. Yeah, yeah, last one. So mine's called Harvest, Book One. Um, it's written by Julian Payne and Zoe Elkins. Um, art by Julian Payne. It's ten pounds. Um, you can get it through Pajama Cardinal Comics or Pajama underscore Cardinal on Instagram. Perfect bound, sort of A5-ish, um, black and white side, uh, black and white insides. Um, it's a folk horror line um, that is the sort of horror book, when you start reading it, you don't realise what it is. So I bought this um, without reading anything about it. I think what had happened is Winchester Comic Con, which is coming up, um, is being run by Tim Bird, who obviously we know, and we've reviewed Tim's books over the period of this, the whole of this podcast, really. Um, Tim and Julian are organising it. And I saw it come up on Tim's feed, and he said, I'm doing it with this guy, Julian Payne, who is a comics creator as well, and I thought, I haven't read anything by Julian. It's weird, isn't it, how we're only, we're quite a small island, but we're being constantly surprised by people who we've never seen before, you know, who's who are, in a way, established small press creators, and I'd never heard of Julian's work before, much to my own regret, um, so I, I thought, right, I'm going to just buy something. Um, I, f- I, f- I fancy going to Winchester Comic Con, so I thought I'd buy something. Um, he wrote this series with Zoe. I think Zoe is his partner, I think. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Julian. Um, and it's a clever exercise, this book, in a slow burn of a creepy horror. Um, the art, to me, is kind of small press Terry Moore, I'm going to say. It's got that effect to it. Um, and that's concentration on a female protagonist but one is often who is often relatable and flawed which is something i think terry does as well very well and it's something that julian you can see he does here as well i'm not saying he's copying him which is a sort of similar sort of style um a lady called greta is the main focus she's our heroine um but without any life focus and direction and she's um back living after university she did university and then she 
couldn't get a job, didn't have any money, and ended up going back and living with her mum in a small country village. They're not they're not well off at all. There's no money coming in, and her, she has a relationship with her mother that is is extremely strained. They're always arguing, and she's seeing a local lad who works in the farm. Um, she falls into having this best friend who's a woman called Aggie who runs the local pub, and she has a young son called Sam, and. So you get that, you get that crate over probably the first two thirds of the book, maybe the first half of the book. It really builds up Greta as this real character. You know, she's she's not glamorous. She's just real life. She wears glasses. She's scruffy. She's trying to find jobs. She's unmotivated and stuff like that. And you you begin to invest in the storyline, which I think, and, and the characters especially, which I think is the great thing about a good drama and especially in this case about a good horror because you've got to worry about the, characters to find it in any way sort of frightening or scary or you know worrying you know that sort of thing um and i won't spoil it other than to say at one point you realize that one of the characters is not quite what they seem and you get this moment you're like oh that's weird um and you begin to slowly like something like something like midsummer you know it sort of creeps up on you a bit isn't it what mm-hmm. hang on you know and then suddenly bang you're off and running um it's a, it was a, a really good little impulse buy i was really pleased with it and it came with a postcard um a little sort of print style postcard which i think has got art from volume two in it um and as, literally as soon as i put this down from reading it i ordered volume two i went back online and ordered it again and um, which is a good a good sign um get a copy you can as i just said you can go to pajama cardinal as in the bird pajama cardinal comics.com or pajama underscore cardinal instagram and find his working and see what it's about yeah good stuff really liked it i like it when you buy a small press book it comes promptly it's a good price and there's a little yeah. postcard in there that thanks me for buying it and hope i enjoy it you know i think that's great that's the last mm. little touch i need to do that more i think yeah to make it personalized yeah. Yeah. I, I, i've had really pleasant experiences buying direct from whether yeah. it be a people's Etsy shops or, or wherever wherever you get stuff like they just go the extra mile don't they really yeah 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 i like, I like it and i'm a master of that you know knowing the, the you know auto auto tells you know adds my address and everything and it's, it's a really quick experience by hmm. this website you know which is your yeah. big yeah that's mine harvest by julian payne and zoe elkins there you go, there you go. so nice plenty to go forth and there's so much for you to check out this week folks yep. we spoil you as always but with good stuff so uh, yeah go forth and read loads of comics and stuff because it's well worth it and it'll help help the week go by even even faster. I say even faster. I can't believe it's August now. What the hell's going on? What's yeah. going on? What is going on? Yeah. Um, we'll be but... doing our best of the year. Soon, <laughs> yeah. God. yeah. Need to start looking at those, uh, looking back over the year soon. Um, but before then, of course, we've got plenty more goodness to come. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. If there's anything else you want us to talk about in upcoming episodes, or if you have an event or a charity fundraising idea involving comics, etc., or maybe workshops that you're running locally, or that you want more people to, to know about, please do get in touch. There's several different ways you can do it. You can email us, awesomecomicspod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at the awesome Pod, where we will be sharing the episode, um, sharing comics, retweeting, all kinds of good stuff in the lead-up to each episode and beyond. Uh, if you on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash awesome comics podcast and the community group Awesome Comics Talk. We can find a great group of people on there and talking about comics and making comics as well as the Awesome Comics Podcast Slack group, which is full of different channels. There's art channels selling, selling cheap books, 
Kickstarter, conventions, Kickstarter. Can I get emphasised that it's also free? I think a few people think that you might have to pay to get on there. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. It, 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 it's a free community, and anyone's welcome to join. Please get involved because it's it's very supportive. Yes, uh, yeah. Just reach out to one of us. We'll straight away yeah. send you the, the link. It'll be fine. Yeah. As yeah. Mad, as Madeline said um, in the interview, like the the indie comics community is amazing and very supportive. Yeah. And once you're in it, you don't want to leave. So, um, and thank you for listening to us, whether it was on the website, Awesome Comics Top Bot, Tot, Tot Bot, Tot, Bot, Tot, Tot. Tot. <laughs> on Top Bots. Thanks for voting for us on Top Bots. Yeah. <laughs> um, or if you listen to us on the website, awesomecomics.podbean.com. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, like, leave a review, all of that good stuff. Helps get the word out about the show and more people listen to it and discovering new comics, which is what we're about. We're also on other networks such as Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Podnose, Podknife. What other networks are we on, Tony? Fucking hell, Nichelle Nichols just died. Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I, I saw that. But oh, mate, that's terrible. I've just seen that. That's awful. Sorry. There you go. Um, that's the podcast. I don't, know, I don't have that's, one. Sorry. Go and watch some. Go and watch some old Star Trek. Watch some old Star Trek act. and see an absolute legend. Oh, in mate. action there. That's yeah. awful. Um, that you witnessed that live. I met. I met her once. She's lovely. Absolutely yeah, I, and I'm, lovely. I'm. I'm seeing that everywhere that that she was lovely. We lost yeah. another. Lost another good one, people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, go yeah. forth and discover their work. Um, where can people find us online, etc.? Tony. Uh, Neveronanything.com. Dan. You can find me on Twitter at Vanguard Comic, and you can read Vanguard at VanguardComic.com. What a pro. Um, and didn't he do well with his intro this week? Yeah, so proud of you, Dan. That was good. Problem is, yeah. Dan, you did so well. I'm going to get you to do it more. I'd like to hear that. I'd like to hear that. Yeah, you can find me. Could on be the hype man. The hype man, <laughs> <laughs> like like the guy that introduces uh, Joey Chestnut in the um, the hot dog eating competitions. If you've never fucking seen them, I don't get that reference. No, oh, I'm sending you a That's link. Rude. It is yeah. unbelievable. How many hot dogs do you think is, is the world record in ten minutes? How many hot? How many? How many hot dogs do you think you could God, eat? God, oh, no, no clue. Two hundred. What? In ten in minutes? Ten minutes. Yeah. You're a beast. The world record is seventy-six. Dan, oh, okay. oh, Dan, you must. Is that including the bun? I might have been a different video I was watching. (laughs) (laughs) You cheered me up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You can find me on social media at Jester Diablo. He suckered you there. He pulled you in on that one, my friend. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, From Dan, Tony, and myself, go forth, have a brilliant week. Read loads of comics, make loads of comics. Um, Tell everyone about a cool comic you read this week. Yes. Yeah, stick it on the Slack. Recommend share, a, share a picture or two. That's yeah, the, yeah. It's the visual medium. Where, yeah, and uh, for fuck's sake. And <laughs> as always, what should they do, guys? Stay, Stay awesome. awesome. Bye. Bye. You know, absolutely fucked up.